Hello, welcome, and thanks for checking in today to No Vacancy, the podcast. I'm your host, Natalie Palmer. I'm an Airbnb ambassador and 17-time super host, and I've hosted over 1,000 reservations. I'm a stay-at-home mom of two under two and manage my eight listings remotely. My mission is to help new and experienced vacation rental hosts turn their listings into fully booked, profitable properties that can be managed from anywhere, so you too can have no vacancies. If that sounds good to you, let's get right into the show. Hello and welcome back to another episode of No Vacancy, the podcast. I'm your host, Natalie Palmer. On this week's episode, I want us to talk about how to figure out what type of host you are. Let me give you a little backstory here. Every week, I do several one-on-one consultations with different clients who book a session with me. And one of the most important things that I always try to get at in every consultation is helping the host figure out what their goals are with the property. For example, I will have someone come to me and say, you know, hey, can you look over our listing and help us find any opportunities where we can make more money, whether that's in a higher nightly rate or getting more nights booked? Sure. We'll sit down, we'll start going through their listing and talking about it. And within a few minutes, I will get the sense that this host is actually very, very emotionally attached to the property. They are not really willing to go lower in their nightly rate because they really want to maintain a high quality guest. They're not really willing to add more heads in beds, so to speak, because they don't want to attract partiers. So they're not okay getting more people in there for the same high nightly rates that they want to charge. They're also not okay lowering the nightly minimums. Maybe they have a five night minimum and they don't really want to go down to a two night minimum because they've got a full time job and they're busy and they just don't want to deal with that much turnover. That's fine. And there's there's nothing wrong with hosting that way. But I have to know those things in order to kind of figure out what our options are. If those are important goals to you to maintain those higher nightly rates and you're making a conscious decision to maybe turn away some bookings. I'm not saying there's a right or wrong way to do this, but I've just noticed a theme that in all of my one-on-one calls lately, we always end up back on the topic of what are your goals? I don't want to start suggesting things, like I said, lowering your nightly rate or giving you a one-night minimum or switching from request to book or instant book if that's not aligned with what you want to be doing as a host. So for today's episode, I really want to focus on breaking down the different ways that you can host, the different priorities that you'll have as a host, and sort of working backwards to figure out based on what your priorities are in hosting and why you got into hosting in the first place, how to do this in a way that's going to bring less stress and overall help you reach your goals of hosting better. So what I did in preparation for this episode was sit down and create a quadrant of sorts. Stick with me, try to visualize this as I'm describing it. And if you are a visual learner and it's hard for you to kind of piece together what I'm describing, please click on the show notes and head over to my podcast page on my website because I'm going to have a diagram 
outlining what I'm talking about right now. But if you can follow along and you can try to picture a quadrant, this is what I want you to imagine. Imagine a very simple table with just four cells in it, four sections. We've got columns A and B and then rows one and two. So in column A, we have hosts who want to maximize profits. In column B, we have hosts who want to maximize peace. In row one, we have hosts who want to use the property for guest use only. And then for row two, we have hosts who want to mix in a personal use of the property. So here's what it's going to look like. Cell A1 is maximize profits and use the property for guest use only. Cell B1 is going to be hosts who want to maximize peace and use the property for guest use only. Cell A2 is going to be hosts who want to maximize profits and mix in some personal use. And then hosts in B2 are hosts who want to maximize peace and mix some personal use in. So again, if that's hard for you to visualize, please pause right now and just click on the link in my show notes. It's going to take you to a drawing of this diagram because I really want you to follow along as we go through this and just see on the x-axis again, we've got profits versus peace. And on the y-axis, we've got guest use only versus personal use mixed in. And that's giving us four different types of hosts in each of these different cells. So we've got four quadrants we're working with. Here's kind of an explanation of what we're going to find in each of these four quadrants. In cell A1, in quadrant one, we've got what I would call the emotionally detached self-manager. Again, this is somebody who's falling under maximizing profits and guest use only. So this is someone who's going to be running it strictly as a business. They don't need to enjoy the location themselves as long as it's bringing in money. They will rent as many nights as possible, doing whatever they can to get each and every night booked, adjusting nightly rates, maximizing heads and beds, allowing pets, guests with no reviews, etc., they want as few barriers to booking as possible, i.e. no rental agreements, no age requirements, no need to verify ID. All they want to do is make it as easy as possible for someone to book. They don't really care about the property that much, only in the sense that it's making them money. So they are fine with some wear and tear on the property. They consider that the cost of doing business, they will just charge the guest after. They're not technically too concerned with getting a bad review. Uh, they'd rather go after a guest and make sure that damages are paid for because they are all about revenue. Moving over to the right in quadrant two, we've got the host who wants to maximize their peace and use the property for guest use only. This is the kind of host who I picture would probably outsource to a management company. They do not want to see the sausage getting made, so to speak. They don't want to know what's happening in the property or communicate with their guests. They don't really care what the reviews say as long as money keeps getting paid out to them. They are fine giving a cut to a property manager just so that they don't have to deal with the things personally. They probably purchased this strictly as a passive income investment. They probably already have a full-time job and this is just something extra on the side, maybe a way to just 
start building equity with real estate and offset the purchasing and the mortgage payments and the utilities with some money flowing in. And they are totally okay, like we said, giving that that cut to a management company. Uh, they don't really care if the management company doesn't maintain perfect quality control of the property or that there is some wear and tear. They didn't buy it for personal use. They bought it strictly as an investment and strictly for guests to use and make them money. Now, moving over to quadrant three, we are back to the host who wants to maximize profits, but this host also wants to use the property with some personal use mixed in. This kind of host is typically not going to outsource to a management company. They want to oversee the property usage and maintain quality control. They also do not want to give away that much of a cut to a property manager. Since they're using it for personal use, they really want to make sure that they are able to vet the guests that are going in there. They want to have a say in what's going on, and they don't want to just default to what a manager would tell them. They also don't want to use a manager because they really want to maximize those profits. This is the kind of host who is really going to value raising nightly rates over raising occupancy. They might still want to raise occupancy. However, if they had to pick one, they'd be more interested in raising nightly rates because if there's any vacant nights, they are comfortable going and using the property themselves. Um, this kind of host is probably not going to block off a peak weekend. They're really only going to enjoy the property in slow season or random weekends that don't get booked or weeknights. And they'll probably just go up there last minute so that they don't actually have to block out any dates. Again, they're much more interested in increasing price over increasing occupancy. So they're going to be a lot more willing to invest in a better quality guest experience, a nice design, nicer amenities, because they're also enjoying the property themselves in the hopes that it helps them get a higher nightly rate with better quality guests. And finally, in quadrant four, this is the kind of host who wants to both maximize peace and mix personal use into the property. This is the kind of host who would say, I will rent when I feel like it and only when I can get a really high rate and really vet the guests. These kind of hosts are typically going to have nightly minimums of five to seven nights or higher, really high cleaning fees. They don't even mind having to pay a little bit of extra on top of the cleaning fee to make sure that it's done to their exact standard. They are okay blocking off peak holidays so that they can enjoy it themselves. This kind of host, in my opinion, probably bought the property really as a vacation home and just figured, hey, when we know we're not going to be using it, we can rent it out, but you know, we really want to make sure that it looks perfect and exactly the way that we left it every time we come back and enjoy it ourselves. We are not dealing with parties. We are not taking a risk on any guest that gives us a remotely bad feeling. We're okay only renting 10 times a year and that's it if that means that we can maintain peace of mind and have the property looking exactly the way that we want it. As I described those four types of hosts, hopefully one of those kind of stood out to you as I was describing it and it was like, ding, 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 that's me. I resonate with that one. I can relate. That is me. If you're having trouble pinning down which of these four quadrants you fit better in, I actually put together a little 
quiz questionnaire, uh, which you'll also be able to find in the show notes. I encourage you to jump over and pause this and go take that. It's only a few questions, but it'll help you kind of dial in which of these four types of hosts you fit in with best. And the quiz is fun. It's like one of those throwback Cosmo quizzes, if you remember doing those when you were younger. So I think you'll enjoy doing it. Pause this, go take that quiz and come back to this right after so that we can kind of go through what your strategy should be depending on which host you are. All right, now that you're back from taking that quiz and you've figured out if you value profits or peace more and using the property for guest use or personal use more, now that you've figured that out and you know which quadrant you live in, let's break down what the strategy should be and what you need to keep in mind depending on where you fall within these four types of hosts. If you're a host in quadrant one, the emotionally detached self-manager, I picture that these are typically the hosts who might be in a full-time career right now that they hate, they're in a nine-to-five, and they really want to leave it and just make as much money as freaking possible. If that's you, here's what you need to keep in mind as you move forward hosting. It is inevitable that as a host using the maximized profits and using the property for guest use only, it is inevitable that you are exposing yourself to more hosting risk. By trying to be booked 365 nights of the year, there's obviously more issues that can go wrong. And by not outsourcing to a management company and being the one to personally deal with it, there's obviously a lot more times that you are going to be personally bothered and be on call and have to deal with it. And if your goal is to make as much money as you possibly can, then that's okay. Then you're just making a conscious choice to take those phone calls, field those calls, deal with guests who maybe don't take care of the property as well as guests who are really, really thoroughly vetted. You are opening yourself up to being booked from accounts that have no prior reviews. They might be brand new accounts. They might be last minute bookings. They might be late night bookings. You're doing everything you can to fill as many nights as possible. And it's unavoidable that that is going to lead to just more high risk. If you are trying to lower the barrier to entry to book your place and you're not having people sign an agreement at all, you don't want to deal with contracts, you're trying to make your check-in instructions just very, very simple, you're not covering all of the house rules because you don't want to seem off-putting or anything, I think that's great if this is your strategy and yeah, that's going to help you maximize profits for sure. What you do need to watch out for if you're a host in quadrant one is that you don't want to be so, so profit-driven that the quality of your place really ends up deteriorating and falling apart to the point where it backfires and you start getting so many bad reviews and guests really don't feel like you're paying attention to them or giving good customer service at all. So it's totally fine to be a host in this category. As we go through, you're going to see, I actually think that there's validity to every single one of these quadrants. And I don't think that there is a right or wrong quadrant to be in. It really just depends on what your goals are. But the one thing you have to be aware of if you are going to be the host that's in quadrant one is if money is what's driving you, make sure that you're still delivering a good guest experience because that is going to help feed more profits. 
as soon as that starts suffering and the quality is deteriorating, it is going to affect your profits. Unfortunately, you're going to start getting worse reviews. People aren't going to be booking you as often. So that is the one thing you need to be aware of if you're going to be the host in quadrant one. What you do have working on your side is that if you ever do have issues with a guest or some frustrations with a cleaning company, not staging the property exactly the way you want, you're going to have a much, much easier time compartmentalizing and just disassociating from those frustrations. If you find out that guests were to, you know, hey, if you listen to last week's episode, you know what guests might do in a property. If you were to find out that a guest did drugs in your property, you're going to have a much easier time dealing with something like that after the fact and just brushing it off, charging the guests for the damages, and just just moving on and just telling yourself, hey, you know, the property wasn't completely destroyed. I replaced the few things that were damaged. I charge extra for it. I'm brushing it off and I'm moving on to the next reservation. Hosts in quadrant one have a much, much easier time doing that because they're not using the property themselves. They've really detached it for guest use only and their number one goal is profits. So as long as you got paid for that reservation and you didn't lose any money, you were able to get reimbursed for the damages, you're good. So that's what's working well for hosts in this quadrant. Let's switch over to hosts in quadrant two. So these are hosts who still want to use the property for guest use only. They bought it as purely an investment. They don't really plan on using it or enjoying it themselves. However, unlike our friends in quadrant one, the hosts in quadrant two really want to prioritize maximizing peace over profits. They still want to make money, but at the end of the day, they don't want to be burnt out. They don't want to be dealing with the guests personally. My suspicion is that of all the four categories, the least number of listeners are in category two. I am just guessing that if you listen to this show, you are probably a much more highly engaged host and you are more interested in self-managing and outsourcing to a management company probably doesn't really speak to you. I think that you're here to learn as much as you can and do it yourself, but if any of you took that quiz or when you listen to me talk about the idea of not having to ever deal with the guest message again, not ever having to see a mess that a guest left behind, not ever having to see a damage again, and just letting a property management company deal with all of it. If you don't want to sit there and play with nightly minimums and play with adjusting pricing and play with adjusting your listing and tweaking it and adding keywords and making sure you're staying on top of Airbnb and Verbo updates. If that doesn't appeal to you, please congratulate yourself for figuring that out today and go call a management company and outsource to them. Yes, you're going to lose money. You're going to have a huge cut taken. A lot of management companies charge as high as 40%. So you have to be prepared that you are going to lose a chunk of your income, but If sitting here and really thinking to yourself that it's just not worth the personal hassle you're putting into it anymore, and that peace is more of a priority for you than profits, then go outsource it. Go get a manager. There's so many hundreds of management companies out there, and they are eager to take on more properties. I do feel that going with a management company will hurt the quality of your guest experience in the end, and probably your home is not going to be maintained to the quality it is when it's self-maintained. It's just a fact that no one is going to care about that property more than you yourself. 
not your cleaners, not your guests, not your management company. But if you are really deciding that just avoiding burnout and having more peace in your life is worth it to be detached from it, not have to see what's going on, not see all the messages, not be the one that's answering the late night calls, go call a management company and find one. And I really, really hope that you can give yourself some permission to make less money off of this. You you don't have to be doing that if that's not aligned with your goals and what you want to be doing. Now, hosts in quadrant three, this is where I anticipate most of my listeners will be. These are hosts who want to maximize profits and also use the property with some personal use mixed in. In my opinion, these hosts are the best at finding a balance between running it as a business and also running it with heart behind it. Not saying that there is a right or wrong way to do it, not saying that you need to strike this balance, but like we mentioned earlier with hosts in quadrant one, my fear for them is that if they're not careful, they will end up chasing profits so much to the point where the quality of the home will deteriorate. They won't be as willing to reinvest in certain amenities and keep the quality of the home up, which is something that hosts in quadrant three are going to be a lot better at. These hosts also want to enjoy the property themselves on occasion, so they are much more likely and more inclined to reinvest some earnings on keeping up the property quality because they know that they're going to enjoy it too when they go there themselves. Unlike the hosts in Quadrant 1, however, I believe hosts in this category will have a little bit of a more challenging time detaching when guests do cause damages to the home or when your cleaner lets you down. Even though these hosts do put profits first and, you know, could still chalk it up to the cost of doing business, it's going to just affect them more personally because they are more invested in that home and they do enjoy it themselves. These are hosts who, in my opinion, probably really, really enjoyed the design process and were more willing to upgrade in higher quality furniture, higher quality bed sheets and mattresses and so on. These are probably hosts who really like leaving a nice welcome basket and giving late checkouts and early check-ins whenever they can. And they're really trying to go above and beyond and hoping that that pays off in higher profits. So they do have that in common with those hosts in quadrant one. But again, I think that these hosts are going to struggle a little bit more with not taking things so personally when a guest or cleaner or contractor lets them down. So that is the one thing that hosts in this quadrant need to be careful of. My best advice for hosts in quadrant three, which like I said, I do think most of the people listening to this will fall in that category. Personally, I most closely align with that category, so I would not be surprised to hear that most of you identify with that one as well. My best advice for the hosts who do fall in quadrant three, revisit the fact that you are prioritizing profits over peace regularly. Write that down somewhere and revisit that goal regularly. Because if you can see it written out and remind yourself that you are intentionally choosing to make more money and forego a management company, if you can remind yourself of that often, it's a lot easier to dismiss those times when guests do cause damages or your cleaner lets you down. It's a lot easier to say, okay, you know what? I'm making a conscious choice to not pay 
twice as much for a cleaner that's going to do it the exact way I want because I know I'm still running this as a business and have to keep costs in check. It's going to be a lot easier to compartmentalize and just dismiss when guests are disrespectful of the home and not take it personally because you can always remind yourself that, hey, you know, I made a choice to open myself up to instant book or open myself up to people bringing in pets. And I know that might have more wear and tear on the property, but I'm doing this intentionally because maximizing profits is a goal of mine. I think if you can revisit that and remind yourself of that often, it's going to be a lot easier to take those difficult times in stride, not quit, not throw in the towel and just remember why you are doing this. And that's the fact that profits are a priority to you. Finally, let's talk about hosts in quadrant four. These are hosts who want to maximize peace and really want to use the home for personal use as well. Maybe you've been listening to my show for a while, really wanting to, you know, see more money in the books and see more money and revenue flowing in. But when I describe that host in quadrant four, who really only wants to rent when they feel like it, only to top, top, top quality guests, they want to really vet the guests and have a very thorough back and forth before letting anyone in the home. They want a strict rental agreement signed. They have thorough checkout instructions, and they want that home to look exactly the same way they left it every time they come back. If when I described that host in quadrant four, that sounded like you, then congrats. You know, you just figured out that you can relieve so much pressure on yourself to maximize profits because that's not aligned with what you want to be doing. You're probably the kind of host who bought this place really primarily as a family vacation home. And all of a sudden having people in your place just makes you uncomfortable. And I'm not saying that you need to quit hosting altogether, but go through your calendar. And if you want to spend every peak holiday at that place, block those dates and do it. I personally wouldn't do that. I want to be booking those peak days. I love making money on those peak weekends. I don't want to use the property myself on those days. But if that's why you bought a vacation home to use it on vacation days, go right now on your calendar and block off Labor Day, Thanksgiving, Christmas, New Year's, start blocking off days next year, spring break, all the times that you want to be there yourself. And I just want you to I don't know, give give yourself permission that just because you're seeing people on social media who are really doing everything to, you know, get as many people in there as possible and be booked as many nights as possible, if that's not aligned with what you want to be doing and why you purchased the property, don't do it that way. If you are more interested in having a really thorough rental agreement and having every single guest sign it and you really want to be doing longer night minimums, five to seven nights to really, really avoid parties. I personally don't want to do it that way. I want a lower barrier to entry, but if that's what's working for you and what excites you, then do it. Please do it. Do it. You don't have to listen to the way that I do things. And I really, really hope that that's the takeaway from this episode. Obviously, this entire podcast, and if you follow me on Instagram, I'm constantly giving advice on you know, how I host and how I recommend you do things. But I hope that this episode just kind of freed you up that through doing this exercise, you just gained clarity on what really matters to you and what you value as a host. As long as you are doing it legally, And as long as you're not putting your guests in blatantly unsafe situations, there is no right or wrong way to host. 
You have to do what's working for you in order to make sure that it's matching up with your goals. If you got into this to make killer money, then you need to start detaching yourself and treating it like a business. If you got into this because you wanted to just offset some costs on a family vacation home, then make sure you're prioritizing that that home and the quality of it are maintained to the standard that you want and that you're only renting enough to offset the costs. Do not let other people out there try to confuse you on what your short-term rental hosting goals are. That is up to you and only you to figure that out. And please send me a message and tell me which quadrant you're in. If you're a blend of a couple of these, that's okay too. I think I'm a blend of quadrants one and three. I probably lean more so with quadrant three, but I phase in and out of these. You guys know that I just had a baby this year and I have not been to my property myself for a vacation. I think since October of last year. So right now I'm using it for guest use primarily, but I am still the kind of host who really does like reinvesting my earnings into making the properties nicer. And ultimately, I do believe that reinvesting in the quality of the home does end up making more profits overall. I still like to host places Even if I'm not technically using them, I still like to host places that I personally would enjoy checking into and staying in. So I would say I'm a mix between quadrants one and three, probably leaning more so towards three. But the other thing with this too is that your goals can change. Right now, I'm more profit-driven, but maybe by next year, I'll decide that I'm prioritizing peace over profits, and maybe I will consider getting an additional co-host or someone to help me and decide that I'm okay taking a cut in my earnings if it gets me back more time and less late night calls and less having to deal with guests and scheduling cleaners and so on and so forth. So your goals can change as well. Maybe right now you're really, really profit driven hard, but in a couple of years you see yourself saving up enough money and then easing off a little bit. Maybe it's the opposite. Maybe right now you're really, really wanting to prioritize peace. And in a couple of years, you're going to be an empty nester and your kids are going to be off at college. And that's when you want to really pour everything you can into making as much money in this business as you can. I really hope you guys found this exercise helpful. And please, when you finish this episode, sit with this and just think about it. Really, what do you value more with where you're at right now? Profits or peace? And is your property for guest use primarily Or do you plan on using it yourself personally? Sit with those four things, figure out which quadrant you're in. And I think it's going to help you beyond measure to just figure out what you want to do with this business, why you got into it and what your goals are and what you hope to get out of it. For this week's Airbnb quick tip, I have a very easy one for you that you can do in minutes, and that is run a Wi-Fi speed test within the Airbnb app. I'm sure you all have run Wi-Fi speed tests before as you were setting up your Wi-Fi just to see what your megabits per seconds are, what your upload speeds are, what your download speeds are. That's great, but what you can actually do now is Airbnb has the option where you can run that speed test right within the app. 
to record what your Wi-Fi speeds are, it will automatically brand that right next to where Wi-Fi is listed on your listings. So if you do provide Wi-Fi, which I think most hosts do, if you do provide Wi-Fi right next to the little Wi-Fi icon showing that you have that as an amenity, it will just brand your Wi-Fi speed right next to it. When this feature was first rolled out, I believe it was earlier this year, when this feature was first rolled out, I was really under the impression that this feature was only going to be good for people who had 50 plus Mbps. I've actually changed my tune on this, and I think that it can actually be even more valuable now for people that do have slower and less reliable internet. Because something that we've been learning is that one of the big, big things that Airbnb really wants to emphasize right now is being upfront, accurate, with your listing and disclosing everything about it so there are no surprises for guests. So I think if your Wi-Fi is really, really reliable, it's actually less important to highlight it because guests are going to check in and not have any issues with it. If they were planning to do a Zoom call or work from home while they're there, they can do that. I think it's actually more important if you have less reliable Wi-Fi to clearly brand what it is and run that speed test so that there are no surprises and you don't have people checking in and asking for refunds or discounts when they find that the Wi-Fi is slow. That being said, I think if you do have faster Wi-Fi speeds, you might as well run the speed test on that too because it's just going to help make your listing look even more attractive. So really, moral of the story Everybody should be running the Wi-Fi speed test. It's the easiest thing you can do. It takes minutes. All you have to do is be at your listing to do it. If you're not physically there to do it, if you have a co-host who's local, you can have them. You could even have your cleaning team or handyman do it if you want to give them briefly your Airbnb login. If not, don't sweat it. Do it next time you're at your property in person. It only takes a few minutes, so make a note of it. Make it a priority to get it done while you're there. And I will link in the show notes below an article from Airbnb with step-by-step instructions on how to add that speed test. For this week's question of the week, we're answering the question of whether or not you should buy property in a community with an HOA. A lot of hosts out there are going to tell you don't ever, ever do it under any circumstances because an HOA could change their rules or they might already have something in their existing that you're not able to do short-term rental. Maybe they say you can do Airbnb, but you can only do it for 30 days or more, or you can only rent three times total a year. There may be a lot of stipulations around it. So for sure, I will admit You have to be very careful when you do. You have to make sure that you read the CCNRs very, very thoroughly. And honestly, I would even try to figure out who's currently on the HOA board if you are going to be buying in a place with an HOA. And maybe even try to see if there's anything in recent meeting notes, if there's a push to ban Airbnb in that community, if there's any talk about it at all. Because even if you buy and the CCNRs say you can, you just want to make sure that there's no chit chat that may be coming down the pipeline, making it so that you won't be able to rent. In a lot of cases, even if they do change those regulations, you may still be grandfathered in, but that's just something you would want to clarify before buying. Overall, though, I am by no means a person who would tell you don't buy somewhere with an HOA. Actually, all of my properties that I manage are all in an HOA, and personally, I love it. 
Yes, I have to pay HOA dues. We pay $330 a month, and sometimes there is an additional special assessment if the HOA has to get some extra repairs or something done. But overall, I find it so nice having an HOA. For one, pools in our area are really, really rare. Almost no one has a pool, but since we're in a condo community, we have a pool maintained by the complex, which is a huge selling point, And we book like crazy over summer just for having a pool. We also have a jacuzzi that's maintained by the complex, which is so convenient. Hot tubs, as you know, are one of the best selling amenities on Airbnb, and I do not have to maintain mine at all. It's taken care by the complex. All the landscaping and the exteriors of the homes are taken care of by the complex. I literally only have to worry about the interior of the home, which is already enough as an Airbnb host. So knowing that all of the grounds, the exterior, trash is going to be picked up, the parking lot will be maintained, dumpsters will be taken out. Knowing that all of that is taken care of is so nice. I mean, tree trimming, repaving the parking lot, all of it. And since I'm in an area that gets snowfall, the complex takes care of all of the snow plowing and it is so nice that I do not have to be monitoring from down the mountain when there's four inches of snow and suddenly I have to call snow removal to come take care of that. The complex and the property manager is already on top of it. The big, big thing here, like I already said, is you have to make sure that the community is friendly to short-term rentals. In fact, I would even encourage you to get on your HOA board just so that you can be in those conversations. And if you are, encourage the other owners in your community who are doing Airbnb to also get on the HOA board. You want representation on that board of people who are actually doing short-term rentals so that you know that they're never going to come down and change any rulings on that. It might mean a little bit more work by having to sit on the board, but I think it's worth it to protect your investment. Overall, it really is just going to be a matter of what properties are available to you, what locations you find, if you can even afford the HOA dues. Overall, I really enjoy being in an HOA. They take care of so much around the property that I just don't have to deal with at all. So don't write them off altogether. You just have to make sure that you're really thorough with your research before you commit to a community with an HOA. And finally, for this week's Am I the Airbnb Hole? As you guys know, most of the posts that I find for this segment, I find on Facebook groups. This one is from Facebook, but I actually did not find it myself. A follower sent me this one, and as I continue reading, you will see why a follower sent this to me. It's super cute, actually, and I'm very touched that they sent this. So let's jump in and read the post. So I had my first bad review because I didn't know if I had a saute pan stocked in the house. I accepted this family that had no reviews and I shouldn't have. He was the first guest to call me ahead of time, not once, but twice at 15 to 20 minutes each call, just to ask me things he could have Googled to find. How far is it from here to here, etc. I went over the check-in procedure and everything that is listed on the platform twice. Once they checked in, he said they needed an additional TV because his wife couldn't watch the hockey game and needed additional entertainment. So I took them a TV, then spent over 30 minutes teaching them how to use the remote. They were mid-40s with teenagers, so this shouldn't have been a problem to figure out. 
I told him that I had an appointment from three to seven, yet they continued to text asking how to use the remote that I just showed them how to use. Then he proceeded to call as my daughter was getting her ears pierced. I denied it. He called again. So I answered. They were at Publix grocery store and needed to know if the house had a saute pan and he put his wife on the phone. I told her I didn't know what was stocked there because my in-laws bought them when they were there snowbirding and I didn't know. Then I said, can I please call you back? I'm at my daughter's piercing appointment and they are getting ready to stick the needle in her ear. She said, well, maybe you shouldn't have answered the phone. I'm at Publix and want to make a nice meal for my family tonight. OMG, I calmly said, I really don't know what cooking utensils are there. I have to go. I'm sorry. Fast forward to today. I have been waiting to leave them a review so it wouldn't prompt them to leave one and hadn't received the notification that he had left me one until today. Not only did they ding me with a four star on one category, an overall rating of three, Of the five previous ratings, three specifically mentioned that I'm great at communication, but this family dinged me due to lack of communication. After all the communication and attention I gave them, I'm so frustrated. Is there anything I can do? I was set to become a super host next round, and this will knock me out of it. If you've made it this far, thank you. Any guidance is appreciated. I will post screenshots of reviews in the comments. So... The reason that someone sent this to me is because a follower, Jennifer, commented on this and said, jaw drop, they said they needed a TV, so you took them one? Oh, honey, it's hard to be in this business when we want to make guests happy, but they just walk all over us. We need to work on better boundaries while still being hospitable. I just listened to a great podcast for hosts regarding how to say no. I'd suggest checking it out. Natalie Palmer, she's a good one to follow. And then she linked my episode on how to say no to guests. So sweet. And thank you. Any of you that are out there promoting me to these, you know, people on Facebook who God bless them, but they need help. They need help. A lot of these hosts, you guys are very, very lost and we need to guide them. Okay. So thank you so much for shouting me out. I don't even know which Facebook group this is. I'm literally in so many, I can't even keep track of it. So Anyway, I appreciate any one of you that shouts me out and thank you to the follower who did that and sent me to this. Um, Her name is Jennifer and when she sent it to me, I actually asked her to give me a link to her listing. Um, So I will link it below if you guys want to support a fellow listener of the show and go check out her listing and wishlist it. Anyway, back to the story. Oh, I have to watch my words because now that I know, Jennifer, that you... (laughs) recommended this host check out the podcast, there's a good chance she's listening. So, you know, I gotta, oh, I gotta restrain myself a little bit, but oh, honey, if you're out there listening, you cannot be bringing people a TV when they ask for one. And I know you had good intentions, so I'm not going to call you an Airbnb hole because I know that this came from, came from the heart. You cannot be doing that. You have to set boundaries you have to. Of course, you're going to get walked all over. I mean, if you literally dropped what you were doing to bring them a TV, how can you then be surprised that they called you a couple times from the grocery store? Calling someone is the most minor thing a guest can do. 
And especially if they see that you're willing to drop what you're doing to deliver a brand new TV, which wasn't even listed in the listing anywhere. They shouldn't have expected that. The moment you did that, you lost all authority and power in this situation. Of course, they were going to treat you like a doormat after that. The guests are the Airbnb holes in this situation because come on, calling you and bugging you about how to use the remote and everything, and then being mad at you for answering the phone when they repeatedly called you. They're definitely out of line here and they are at fault. At the same time, there is a lot that you as a host can do to model the behavior that you want to get out of your guests. So if you're here and you're listening now that you got turned onto the show, welcome. I'm not going to go too hard on you because I think in your post it said you only had three previous reviews. So it sounds like you're pretty new. I know that you were just trying to be the best, most hospitable host you could be, but I hope that you stay, go binge a few episodes and I hope that you learned something. Over here, we are very big on still delivering hospitality while setting those boundaries. We do not let guests walk all over us like this. Your guests are the Airbnb holes for sure, but there's still a lot that you can do in your own control to prevent situations like this from happening. And with that, it is now checkout time. Thanks for listening and I'll see you back here next week. Lastly, as Airbnb hosts, we all can appreciate a good five-star review. So you already know a great review on this podcast would mean so much to me. Please subscribe, review, share, and connect with me in the show notes below. Bye.